0: Now, welcome back. Some reaction already to uh, some of our letters to dear Phil. This one says, Fran, the first letter, uh, I had a serious uh, operation two years ago. When I came home, I had to sleep on my own, so my partner had to move in to the other room. It's now two years on, and our relationship is better than ever. We're together 12 years, the sex is better, and both of us gets a great night's sleep. So there you go, that's... uh uh, making reference and responding to the first letter that came in uh, to Phil. By the way, as I say, they're up on social media if you want to make comment uh, on them. Uh, yes, Fran, a bride pays for hair, makeup, dress, shoes, tan, sometimes matching necklace. Um, I've been a bridesmaid three times, and the bride gets a say on the hairstyle and the dress. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, Patrick was on to say, Fran, the bride does pay for the hair and makeup. Good God. Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com Bet you didn't know that John
1: Lynch (laughs) Bet you didn't know that Was that that in your legal training? No, no, no No. I never covered that module (laughs) <laughs> is it all part of the marriage contract I wonder it's I a, think people should numb, don't mind the hairdo they should have prenups. Yeah I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: the way you get in your own little dynamic in there yep. yeah yeah it's great yep. isn't it
1: I, I, I'm sort of careful
0: nowadays I'm so careful about what you say about things but the poor old parents would be paying for the bloody thing I suppose Oh that's,
1: uh, that doesn't happen Does no that more? not happen anymore? Not much no Oh I'm thanks not. be to God Are you sure? <laughs> well I, I don't know. You'll have to do a vox pop. <laughs> Is that true, though? Are, are the parents? Not, not as much. No, not as much. Oh, I, the last great. three weddings I've been at, it was the kids that paid for it. Was it? And they determine who comes and who doesn't and et cetera. Yeah. No. God, that's, modern, modern. That's
0: great news. Yes. Yeah, I was good doing, news. doing my sums and what it might cost me. You've into been my saving own day, for a while, <laughs> have you? <laughs> anyway, on a much more serious topic, yes. you want to talk to us about advanced health care directives. Uh, yeah. John, what what
1: are they? What are all? they? Well, you first know. of all, they're legal. Uh, what I mean by that is they've been legalised under the assisted decision making legislation which came in in 2015 and is operational as and from this year. So, I suppose the, the most important thing to know is that they they now have a validity that they didn't have prior to this. And it's been suggested for quite a number of years that it's something that was missing in that kind of set that I often talk about when you're looking at forward planning. And as you know, I'm a big fan of forward planning, be it prenups or otherwise. Yeah, sure. But the the advanced healthcare directors, when, as I often say to people, when people came in to me 30 years ago, at that stage, you know, they come in, and they make the will, and you wouldn't think of anything else, and or as in there was nothing else on the landscape at that stage forty years ago. Now you have, uh, well, you've had, since ninety six you've had the um, the not the Advanced healthcare directive sorry you've had the enduring power of attorney, and the enduring power of attorney is again a forward planning. Document which basically says that if you lose capacity, that you can nominate people who will step into your shoes and and look after your personal affairs and and or your business affairs. So that's and again, it's it's a what if scenario. What if I lose capacity? What's going to happen? And you pre-plan it. Now, the Advanced Health Care Directive, and obviously the will is pre-planning, but pre-planning for the most inevitable thing that's going to happen to all of us, i.e. that you're going to pass on to the next life if you believe that there is a next life. But that's a pre-planning document as well. But the Advanced Health Care Directive um, is another pre-planning document. And it's another pre-planning document, again, based on... Whether or not you have capacity, so the the key element to it is that if you reach a point by reason of your health, mental health, or physical health, that you're no longer able to make a decision about your healthcare options, then you have a document, a reference document, that you pre decide as if you were there. In other words, and you can appoint somebody called a healthcare representative. And so, in other words, and you don't have to. By the way, you can just have the document that sets out precisely what it is, either what what care you want or what care you don't want. So it there's two sides to it. You could decide that you don't. And I'll 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 try and outline some of the mm. things in a minute. But the general the general thrust of this document is that it's it's pre planning a situation for you. So you're saying okay, and there's a reference that people can there's a document that people can refer to that is going to say what you would have said had you been able to say it if you know what I mean yes so again pre-planning might never happen because you may be very well capable of saying precisely what you want to happen
0: mm. even if you were very ill
1: even if you were yeah. very yeah. ill and the kind of the really the central point and the central focus of all this is a change that they've made to the whole question of having capacity to make a decision. And that's been... And funny because I've been doing a lot of work on this uh, over the last couple couple of months now because I'm trying to fashion a document or fashion a series of documents that will help people and help particularly my job in helping people make these documents and make these pre-planned so Like a template of sorts, isn't Like a template of sorts, which of course, as you know, in order to create a template, you need to have some understanding of what's, what are the principles behind it. Mm. And you'd, you'd be surprised at how complex it can be. But anyway, that's for... But one of the central things of it, or one of the central elements of it, is this whole principle of capacity and what exactly does that mean? Mm. What does it mean that somebody doesn't have the ability or capacity to make a decision? And they've actually, in the legislation that they introduced, they've actually given you some guidance on it, which is helpful. And what it does is, and, and funny because it's, not funny is the wrong word, but it's interesting because, you know, often when you have legal principles, They don't, you know, if it's a court scenario, they don't give you guiding principles as such, if you know what I mean. You have kind of certain guidance or guidelines that you follow as a judge, for example. But these are guidelines that you're supposed to follow if you're going to be the person appointed, either as an attorney under the enduring power of attorney or as a a Person, yeah, healthcare representative so these are kind of the ground rules that everybody needs to understand and the, the the thing about that is that if I'm going to say that I'm going to appoint you as my attorney that of itself isn't going to be hugely helpful to you unless you know what the implications of that is mm. And do you ha- do you have any guidance? Mm. And, the wishes, yeah. the and the wishes. Yeah, and the wishes, yeah. And interestingly enough that you should mention the word wishes because that's central to the guidance, that the guidelines that you're given. And I'm going to just give it to you as it is in the legislation. Yeah. And I've, as I've broken it down, it breaks down to... I and mean, You know the way they just love terminology in legislation and in law and in everything, actually, even mechanics are good at it as well. When you're looking into an engine, there's names for everything and you haven't a clue what they're talking about. But they have the guidance that they're talking about, the relevant person in in, in in the legislation is the person you're talking about, the person who, who who has or has not capacity to make a decision. So the very first principle is that you go on the basis, you think along the lines of, what can I do to help this person make a decision? As opposed to saying, does this person have capacity or not? So your starting point is, what can I do to help them make this right. decision. So it's assistance. Not, yeah, it's yes. not the other way around. Okay. It's not, am I here to find out can you or can't? Mm. You're here to help them make the decision. And if that's your guiding principle, there's a different, slightly different nuance thinking on that because you're going in to help them make the decision, not going in to, to make a decision for mm. them as to whether they can or cannot make Very it. Very good, yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing. And what it says from a legal point of view, of course, is they put it in legal terminology and they say presumption. The presumption is a presumption of capacity. It's a bit like and I hope it doesn't turn out like the presumption of in, of innocence in the criminal code because you know my views on that mm. that it's very far removed sometimes from the, a presumption but I won't get onto that bandwagon mm. but the other thing then is so therefore the, the flip side of that is got to do everything you can to help the person make the decision. So whether it's to physically help them as in you know if they're not able to talk find ways of getting them to communicate what their what their thoughts are or what, or what their thinking is or whatever. So you do everything possible if they're, I mean the obvious one if they can't hear you properly you do everything possible to make sure they can. So think like, or you create the environment for them to help them communicate with you. What do you mean by that? And what I mean by that is I I can remember her saying she had one stage, I remember it with my mother. Uh, My mother, if I spoke to my mother in the morning or if anybody spoke to my mother in the morning, she'd be fine. But if you spoke to her in the afternoon after a long day and she was tired, uh, she wouldn't be as capable of making a decision. So what I'm saying is, you know, the environment, the fact that you can make a decision in the morning and can't make it in the afternoon... Mm -hmm. The important thing is you can make it in the morning. So, do you see what I mean? There's I a do. subtle.
0: It's, it's very nuanced, isn't yeah, it?
1: There's yeah, there's a subtle. You're trying to get them, help them to make this in. You're not trying to say, put them in, you're running them through a test and go, who's the president of Ireland? What day of the week is it? What date is it? I'd mm. fail most of those. Yeah, but me too. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. do you know what I mean? If you're running that kind of a test, whereas if you're actually just trying to find out, does somebody understand? What the decision is? Have they got? Do they understand the information about the decision? And do they do they understand what the what what's the outcome? What mm. is the decision they want to make? And if they understand all those things, you create the environment to make sure that they do and are capable that you're capable of ticking the box. Say yes, they are capable of making that decision. And the other thing about the way, and I think this is a real um, I'm going to say eye opener, but it's a real obvious one but not so obvious if you turn back to what we were talking about and say that you're there to test, do the yes, no, tick the box, do they have capacity, do they not have capacity. A person who lacks the capacity, um, they don't lack it just because they make a decision that isn't a wise one. So in other words... Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting one because, you see, you and I might look to somebody and go... And you know the way you, you put on the blinkers, and I, I, I certainly would have had that blinker. I mean, I'm sure when I was in my 30s, I used to think I used to think 50 was old. And then when I was in my 40s, I used to think 60 was old. Yes. And now that I'm in my 60s, I think maybe 90 or 100 is old. But <laughs> yes. it's, but it's yeah. so the minute you come in, depending on what your particular lens is, I mean, I, I've had this. I've, I've, I, there's the running joke in the office that I keep moving out the age. There used to be. I used to have a default in the office to say that if somebody is at 55 or over, you had to get a medical cert to say they were capable of making a will. <laughs> then I moved it to 65 <laughs> and over, and now it's at 85. <laughs> so was that in parallel with your own aging? <laughs> exactly. I yes. Exactly. I see. Okay. But but by the point that I'm making on the unwise decision thing is. You arrive into somebody and you're being asked to be the arbiter as to whether they've got capacity or not. And they tell you that actually I want to leave all my money to the dogs home and they've got 15 children. And uh, you're going, no, that's not fair. No, no, I don't think they should be making that kind of a decision. That's totally and utterly the wrong approach because it's not the outcome of their capacity that you're looking at and this sounds very technical but you're oh, looking at yeah, yeah but you're looking at can they make the yes. decision assisting are, them to make yeah are they able to yes. make the decision yes. no matter what that is and I don't literally mean yeah, no yeah. But well, you know no I mean? matter how
0: much you disagree with
1: exactly with no matter how yeah, much yeah, all your underlying brain is going oh that sounds off the wall. I don't think they've got capacity. But the irony of it is you might have met them twenty years previously, you still might think you might be able to But what, what if
0: their decision is an indication of their lack of capacity? What? What if their decision is an indication of their lack of well capacity? Well
1: then well then well then you're looking at a context. So you talked about, for example, their wishes. Okay. Yes. and you talked about their preferences. So therefore, if you're looking at somebody, and I, I presume what you're saying to me is they make a decision that's so inconsistent with what they might have done yes. previously. Well, then you're looking at the other one, which is you look at their wills and preferences. In other words, you look at the way they've made decisions before.
0: So it's holistic.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's a holistic, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now you have, that's, I couldn't have picked a better word, mm. but it is It is a much A much more wider kind of a concept. Now, how it will pan out in practice is going to be very interesting, you know, because, I mean, on a practical level, I mean, uh, and again, I only think to my own parents and I think to my mum and I think to if one of the siblings had asked her a question, she might have answered it one way. And if I asked her the same question, she'd go another way. And so the question is, uh, one, one somebody might look at it and go, or no, let me rephrase that in the context we we're talking about. In one instance, she might be talking to one of the siblings and she, she she because of their relationship and, you know, people have different relationships with parents and children. Sometimes it often, it can happen often, oh, I'll take it back that word, it can happen that there's a role reversal on the relationship between a parent and a child and suddenly the parent at their at an age where you're looking after them almost switch roles that you're, you're the parental and you know yeah, that kind of I scenario yeah. and depending on the depending on the child sibling and I, I used to often come in with my mum and you know I could get a friend coming in and talk to her. And because she didn't wasn't as sharp as she used to be, they started talking to her as if she was an imbecile. And I don't mean that
0: No, but I know it but, always
1: annoyed me. Yeah, yeah but annoying. but what I'm saying to you is yeah. that you know, again, these are how does one deal with those things from a practical point of view? And you know, that's where the codes of conduct come in under the legislation. They actually have they've done a huge amount of work on introducing codes of conduct To help people who are in the position where they have to deal with this kind of, does somebody have capacity or not. There are codes of conduct for all the different people. They call them interveners. I'm an intervener if I'm going to be involved in a situation like this. But there's codes of practice to help people. And there's training going on all over the HSE, for example. Yeah. So it's, it's, really, it's a really fascinating
0: it's area. Like yourself, I would question that questionnaire that might determine uh, capacity, because again, with my own father who had dementia, mm. they mm. used this questionnaire. Yeah. They didn't realise that the man was profoundly deaf all of his life. Yes. That even if they gave correct. him that
1: questionnaire 30 years ago, he'd, he'd find it hard to to correct. hear them properly and correct. to understand. Yeah, exactly. And I, had, I, had, I had a client come into the office, well, and hopefully I had more than one but a particular client that came into the office with somebody uh, in the office and I wasn't in there at the time um, although I say I'm rarely in there but <laughs> the particular client I knew and exactly as you said I knew that they had a hearing difficulty yeah. but I knew them for years and I you know there was never a problem uh because of the fact that I knew that the hearing difficulties, so obviously, you do a bit of shouting and people, Mm, you know, but are you right, or whatever, whatever, but that's precisely the point that I'm making to you, is that the checklist of obvious things that sometimes you'll miss, and this was missed in my office, they missed the fact that, now they weren't fully deaf but they were partially deaf, and if you're partially deaf, you see, it can compromise your confidence in terms of responding to things and half understanding things. But the other, the other thing is, the other thing as well. There, there are other guidelines out there as well. And the other guidelines is, and a, a major one again along the same track as we're talking about An intervention can only be should only be made where it's necessary. And this is the real interesting thing because you have to start by asking is it necessary to actually do this? Do I have to go about intervening here? In other words, do you have to put in some sort of an agreement or do you have to do an intervention at all? And that's the interesting thing. Because and who adjudicates that, John? I mean, who? Well, you see, if it's usually the person who wants to help, ironically. Right. So if you're in a situation, like, you know, it's a bit like, and again a situation that arose recently was somebody was in hospital they'd had a stroke they were in recovery and the family came to me and asked me about whether should we put one of these new they had heard it on the radio or read it somewhere yeah. or might even have read one of my blogs I don't know and they wanted to know should, could they or should they rather than could they should they put a, a one of these decision-making agreements into place because there, as I was saying to you previously, there's different levels of agreement that you can put in and the lowest level one is an assist, you give assistance to somebody to make decisions and the other one is you make decisions with them and the other one then is a court intervention so it's level one, level two, level three. But the point here is you don't go in at level one unless you have to. So in other words, you don't just... And the question they were asking, and I said, well, are they in recovery? Are they improving? Well why are you putting in an assistance? Is, is there any issue with the hospital? Is there any issue in terms of is there anything that decision that requires immediate intervention? And if there isn't, you don't just put it in just for the sake of it. There has to be a decision that needs to be made so and it's decision it's decision by decision. And that's the other element to this is that people may be capable of making one decision and may not be capable of making another decision. So therefore, you could, in theory, and again, I say in theory because, uh, you know, you could have multiple uh, decision-making agreements for different types of decisions. So you might have a decision-making agreement that would deal with, let's say, they had... Uh, a family home, you might have it. You might have an agreement on that that they wouldn't be capable of making decisions uh, around whether it's rented, whether it's sold, yes. or whatever. Yeah. And you could have a decision-making agreement on that particular element of it. You could have another one. Uh, you you mightn't have one on their care, arrangements, whether they stay at home or whether they don't. And this new, um, and again, just to to kind of reiterate what I was talking about, you know, if you. Lack capacity. You've got your enduring power of attorney. So, if everything being equal and you've done the, you've done your pre-planning. Okay, your will is going to eventually happen. Your enduring power of attorney will only happen if you lose capacity. Your assisted making agreement, which is another level of assistance, will only kick in again if you need assistance. Your joint decision making agreement will only kick in if you. If you lack the capacity to do it, and again, it's important to come right back, as I say, to the cornerstone of all of this, which is: Are you sure the person requires intervention? Is it necessary to intervene? Number one. Number two: Can they not? Are you know? Have to assume? Have you given them every possible help to make that to decide whether they can make that decision yes. or not? <clears throat> and. When you're in, when the other kind of guiding rule, and you, you can just imagine giving somebody this job that you're going to have to, like, I'm working through a kind of a checklist with things, and the document is so big at the moment, I'm going to have to reduce it down because you could make it overly complicated. Because at the heart of it, at the heart of it, you see, the old way of doing it was acting in the best interests of the, of the person, and it was kind of Patriarchal kind of, Mm. you know, I will decide what's in your best interest. This is different. This is, their best interest is for them to make the decision, not for you to make it.
0: Please tell me there's a watchdog over this because I'm I'm always suspicious of. No, uh, no, and
1: you're no, no, absolutely no. There is. They have set up, and again, just as a as a sideline here. The, there's two documents that I would recommend people to read. Obviously I'll have one that I, I'll give people but there's the uh, decision support service is this watchdog you're talking about. They've set up the decision support service and the decision support service has a huge amount of oversight on this. Very significant. And the fallback position is the court has oversight. So you you have judicial oversight, and you have a a body that is dedicated to checking to make sure that first of all the all the paperwork is in order, second of all that people are appointed correctly, third of all, if there's any objections that they're they're listened to, mm. fourth of all that there's reporting and and again, this is the to a certain extent. Now, a lot of this will be templated, as you use in your word. Mm. A lot of the reporting will be templated. So I don't want to be scaring people into the fact that the job is going to be so onerous. Yes, yeah. it's, it, it's templated. And, of course, like everything else, the modern uh, approach now is it'll all be through a, an online course, portal. Yeah. But... There will be standard forms there, and the forms can be completed so yes, there is reporting, yes, there is oversight and Thirdly, if somebody has an issue with somebody being appointed as an attorney, somebody being appointed as a joint decision maker and an, and I've moved away from the advanced healthcare directives for a second and the but if somebody has an issue with the representative or a decision of the representative because the representative person. You when, you when you do your advanced healthcare director, and I said to you that I'd come back to the detail of it, mm. you can detail life-sustaining treatments whether you want them or not, and what they are. So you might say, I don't want CPR, I don't want mechanical ventilation, I don't want artificial nutrition. You can deal with specific medical treatments, and you say, I want this treatment, I want that treatment. Now, saying what you don't want is more um, uh, imperative than... Of course what you do want, yes. because what you do want may not be available or may, may, you know, for one reason or not. But the other thing then is you can have pain management. The big thing in terms of pain management, to what extent you want pain management, organ donation is the other one, religious yeah. beliefs is another one, Uh don't, yeah. you know, all there's those some, things the, are covered. the only thing that concerns me is that there's some
0: aspects of that that you couldn't fully make your mind up on until you're in the, the midst in of the it. In the zone, yeah. correct.
1: Now, that's a very good point, and one of the most important things. And funny because I kind of ran through this myself, thinking, "What do I was do?" And the thing is, one of the things that the the other document that's that I was that I've referred to, and actually, I'm giving a series of talks, which even I'll plug it the next time I'm on okay. radio in Clonmel. Perlis and Nina, my colleagues are shooting You're going on tour. Going on tour. <laughs> <laughs> but with the Irish Hospice Foundation. Oh, very good. Yes. Are, and the Irish Hospice Foundation have this document, which is my advanced healthcare directive. If anybody goes onto the hospice website, they'll see this document. And it says, it uses the word three T's. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's no H so I can say mm-hmm. T. So think, talk and tell. Think about it. Talk to somebody about it and tell everybody about it. That's what they're saying when you're talking about making advanced healthcare directives. I, very good. I'll leave you, you, on that note. you
0: will come back to some will, of the details I will, I will, around will, that, will, I'm sure. John, always good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. John Lynch, Lynch, solicitors in Clanmel. That's it for me. Emma produced, and uh, Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel on the lunchtime show. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye bye.